Today with the Universal Church, we celebrate the fourth week of Easter, or most commonly known as Good Shepherd Sunday. We celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday as we hear through all the readings, the imagery of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, but also it calls us as a Universal Church to focus and emphasize the image of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, but to pray for more vocations. It is also a great reminder for us as priests to remind ourselves who we're truly following and where we're going and what we're doing with our life as priests and for bishops and for the Pope. So let us today in a particular way pray for more vocations and also pray for our priest, bishop, and Pope. As we continue to look at our Good Shepherd Sunday and pray for vocations, we have to begin to understand what we're praying for and the severity behind the importance and the challenge of praying for vocations. As many of you know, I am part of the Eucharistic Revival for the USCCB. So I have the opportunity to travel the country sharing and preaching about the Eucharist. And what is interesting is when we gather together, we always ask each other as priests, the first question is, where's your parish and how many people are at the parish? So when I tell people how big St. Elizabeth is, where there's 6,000 people, 10,000 people on, rec on our database, and there's two priests, everyone looks at me funny like, are you crazy? And then as they share their story and their ministry, most of the parishes are as big as 1,000 people. 2,000, 3,000 families on record. But as they hear that this parish is so large and two priests, they begin to like really wonder and are concerned about me. Like, are you okay? Is everything going okay? Are you doing okay with ministry, taking care of that many people? But the challenge is we lose sight and lose fact of the gravity and the, the need for more priests within our diocese, within the world today. Because what we see is the fact that when I pick up the phone and my family is in an emergency or needs an anointing, Father is there. When I need to call Father for a, a funeral, He's there. When I just brought a new child within to, uh, into this world and I need to baptize my child, Father is there. So we, we don't get to see the fact that we're not getting the necessities we, are, we have within our own lives. We're not at a, a community or in a country in which we don't get mass every week. We're at maximum, we get one mass a year. And Father goes around to five, six different areas to celebrate mass. We don't see the reality that there are parts in our diocese where priests care for four to five parishes on a weekend. Some priests are driving 300 miles here in this diocese a weekend to go celebrate Masses. We don't see the need for more vocations. We don't see how challenging and difficult it can become. Because when we call, our needs are met. When we need Father, Father's available. But to put it in perspective, the Diocese of Fort Worth has 1.2 million Catholics right now within its geographic boundaries. We have 92 parishes, 17 schools, and only 132 priests. 
So do the math. For every one priest, there's 9,000 people that he is taking care of. 9,000 people he is taking care of. So what is a life of a priest, and why is the prayer to, for vocation so important? And what can we glean from that through the life and example of Jesus, the Good Shepherd? So why is it important? Why is priesthood important and needed within our own life? We hear in our gospel reading today, Jesus describing him as the good shepherd, leading his flock, tending to his flock, and knowing each of them by name. As a shepherd, you look for other shepherds to tend their flock. Because if you bring in hired hand, we hear from the gospel, they're there to steal from you. They're there to just do their job and really not care for their sheep. They're just there to do a job, earn a paycheck, and go home. They don't have the care. They don't look after the sheep. The life of a priest is modeled after the good shepherd because we have been called to follow after Jesus, to tend to his flock, and to care for each one of his sheep by name, to know them, to walk with them, for them to be familiar with the voice of Jesus so that through us we can bring them to Jesus. We can bring others to the pasture, the pasture of heaven. Our goal and mission as a priest is to get everyone in our community first and foremost to heaven and to be the last person to push the person into the gates of heaven. We're go our goal is to do that for each and every one of us. To not leave and neglect anyone behind. But it just doesn't begin anywhere. Before I got ordained, I sat down with the vicar general, the second person in charge of the diocese, and he said, Lynn, I wish there was a secret stash of priests somewhere in our diocese that we've kept in, in, in hiding. So that when there's a depletion and when there's a need, we can begin to pull them out. He paused for a second and looked, at, looked me in the eye and said, we're all we got. This is it. There's going to be a lot of things we're going to be challenged to do. There's a lot of things that we're going to be stretched in our ministry. But he said again, we are all we got. There's no secret stash of priests anywhere. There's no other priest anywhere that can help us. It's just us. So buckle in. So where does this vocation begin? If there's no secret stash of priests, and there's just not a, a factory where priests are generated, where are priests coming from? It begins with the call. We hear today Jesus tell us that as sheep we recognize his voice. For me, it began when I was about seven years old, sitting at my home parish, Christ the King, and looking at my pastor and saying, I want to be like him. I couldn't tell you at that moment what about him I wanted to be like, why I wanted to follow him, and why I wanted to be like him. But that was God's way of nudging me to hear his voice. But how did I begin to cultivate that call and continue to recognize that voice? 
required my family to constantly, every day, spend the evening together praying. So through the example of my parents, I begin to recognize and understood, oh, that wasn't just a thought. Oh, that wasn't just something that was floating in the air, but that was really Jesus calling me to follow him. And as I begin to peel back what that call meant, I understood the fact that what called, what drawed me to the pastor, that Easter vigil, was the fact that he tended his flock. He, as a pastor, knew his sheep by name. I remember growing up watching him popping his head into different ministries, visiting with each ministry, and simply just stopping by and saying, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Can I help you with anything? Taking his time to sit there and walk with each person. And as I began to peel back that calling, I began to see, oh, that's what God is calling me to do. Jesus is calling me to follow him as a good shepherd and to tend to his flock the same way my pastor tended to me as his sheep. But the challenge, like me when I was growing up, and the challenges that our young people face today, is the fact that no one wants to respond to that call. That call is counter to the world. That, that call is counter to the reality we live in today. How can you live as a priest on very bare minimum? How can you live as a priest not driving the nice latest car, driving, having a Lamborghini parked in your driveway, living in a big mansion. That's not a good thing. So why would you do that? Why would you live that life out in that specific way? And why do you want that for yourself? It's all about me and what's good for me. The next thing that comes about from our call and our vocation is the fact that our drive, our desire from within ourselves, is meant for love. Because God created us for love, to be loved, and out of love. And therefore, our heart is yearning for companion. So there is no reason for someone to live as a celibate. To give up his life for the church, give up her life for the church, and live by yourself. And for that reason, the world and everyone around us tells us, Oh, just get married. Just have kids. That's going to be the norm. Don't worry about being a priest. Don't worry about religious life. Don't answer God's call. It's not important. Follow your desires. Follow your wants. It's always funny because I always, when I get a chance to talk about vocation with the school kids, the girls are always wondering, it's like, Father, do you not like, do you not want to get married? And I kind of chuckled at them. It's like, yes. In middle school and all through high school, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. That is a desire innate within me. But I'm giving that up for a greater love. I'm giving that up to love Christ unconditionally. I am giving that up so that I can love in a more fuller way. There's still that temptation within me when you see someone beautiful walk by and catches your eye, it's like, ooh, 
It's not, it's not this oddity where you become a priest and everything disappears. We're still human beings. We're still weak and frail and broken. But the reason why we are priests is because we've heard Jesus' call. We've been tended and cared for just as Jesus has for us. And so we would like to follow Jesus, the good shepherd, and shepherd his people that he has called and entrusted us to. The challenge we have, my dear brothers and sisters, is there is a vocation crisis. Our young men and women are not answering the call. We sit here on a weekend. There is 6,000 people that come in and out of the doors this, on a weekend. But how many vocations are actually blossoming and growing from our community, from our own families? Because the first thing we do is for our boys to say, no, I don't want you, God, to take my son. I don't want to give up my son to follow you if it is his call. And I'm not doing everything I can to promote, to help, to sponsor, to foster that vocation, beginning from within my family. Because it's not, it's not the family's fault, it's father's fault. Father's not giving up of his time enough to go foster vocation. It's father's fault because he can't go out and visit with these young people. It's father's fault because only father understands the vocational life. So father has to do all that work. I'm just here to sit around. But I want to leave us with this passage John Paul II wrote in 1996 at World Youth Day to illustrate, to show us it's not just father. If we are going to today pray for vocation, if we are today to pray for all the priests, for bishops, for popes, it begins within our family. It begins with the domestic church, which is your family. John Paul II writes, Every vocation is nourished and developed in the church and is linked to the church in its origin, growth, purpose, and mission. For this reason, the diocesan and parish community are called to strengthen their commitment to vocation and to priesthood and to consecrated life, especially with the proclamation of the word, the celebration of the sacraments, the witness of charity, and they should also keep in mind some of the necessary conditions for authentic care of vocations. In the first place, one condition is the community knows how to listen to the word of God. In order to receive the divine light, which gives direction to the heart of man, sacred scripture is a sure guide when it is read, welcomed, meditated upon in the church, coming to know the events involving the insights and permit radical personal choice when the Bible becomes the book of the community, when it is easier to hear and comprehend the voice of God who calls. It is necessary, furthermore, that the community knows how to pray intensely for fulfillment of the will of God, accepting the primacy of the spiritual life in daily exercise. Prayer offers precious energy towards giving a positive welcome 
to the Lord's invitation to put oneself as at the service of spiritual, moral, and material goods of humanity. Liturgical expression is the principal way to educate for prayer. When the liturgy remains isolated itself, it risks impoverishment. But if it's joined in the proclamation period of personal prayer and silence, passed in the presence of the Lord, it becomes the high road which leads to communion with God. The liturgy must become the center of Christian existence in order that through that it may create an atmosphere favorable to the making of important decisions. The community also should be sensitive to the missionary dimension, taking upon itself the burden of the salvation of those who are not yet known to be Christian, the redeemer of mankind. In a living and widespread missionary sensitivity, there is found another basis for the coming to be and strengthening of vocation. If the community lives intently in the Lord's commandment, to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, there will not be a lacking within the generosity of young people who will offer to take up themselves the task of proclaiming the people proclaiming to the people of our time, not infrequently disheartened or indifference, the proclamation of the gospel, which is old and yet never new. And finally, the community must be open to the service of the poor the pres the, in presenting the most authentic face of Christian commitment in all members to help our brothers and sisters who are tired, in need, and by suffering all styles of humility, of self-denial, proper to a choice in favor of the poor, contributes to the creation of the environment, particularly favorable to welcoming the gift of vocations. In fact, the service of love is the fundamental meaning of our every vocation. Consequently, an authentic pastoral work on behalf of vocations will never tire of training boys, adolescents, young men to appreciate commitment, the meaning of free service, the value of sacrifice, and unconditional self-giving. So my dear brothers and sisters, if we are to pray, to promote, to foster vocation, it begins first and foremost in our family. To foster a life of prayer, to foster a life of commitment, to foster a life of service, to foster a life of work in serving our brothers and sisters. In that, our young people will begin to hear, to recognize and to appreciate the fact that this is a viable option for our life. This is a viable vocation that I can do and can offer the church. If our vocation is not fostered, if we don't offer more young men, young women to contribute, to give up their life for the church, we will not have people ready to answer the call when you're in need, when you're at your loved one's bedside, needing someone to console you, to bring you hope, to bring you peace. 
when your deceased loved one has passed away and you're trying to find consoling words to see and find hope within the times of trial and tribulation, no one will be there to be able to help you, to console you, to send off your loved one to close those wounds of trials and tribulation, to celebrate life and the resurrection in the Lord. No one will be there to answer your call when you're in need to reconcile yourself with the Lord, when you recognize you've fallen short of loving God and loving neighbor above all things. No one will be there to answer the call when you need to come and approach the Eucharist seeking the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord to nourish your spiritual life, to help you with the graces and the strength to continue to proclaim and to live out your faith more strongly. No one's going to be there to answer the call when you need to celebrate the sacrament of matrimony to be the sign of your love between husband and wife. No one's going to be there to celebrate the joys in which you bring new life into the world, wanting them to welcome and to belong to the family of Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, there is a vocational crisis. There is a challenge for young men and young women to answer the call. But if we continue to foster, to pray, to support our young people in this vocation, that vocational crisis will come to an end. Our needs, our spiritual needs will be met in ways we will never understand. But it begins today in our families. It begins today in what we do in fostering that vocation. So let us together as a community work and strive to foster, to bring about more vocations coming from within our family, to coming from within our community. And pray, let us together pray for our priest, our bishop, and the Holy Father. Amen.